Blog Talk Radio. This week we will preview the National League West Division and go over each team, how their offseason has gone, including trades and signings, and predict who will be the MVP, Cy Young, Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, Delivery Man of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year for each team. We will also predict the MLB, Award playoff, MLB Awards playoff picture and the World Series champion. Hello, Diamondback Nation. Welcome back to the Rattle Up Podcast. Hope you all are having a great Friday night. Uh, spring training is right around here, uh, just coming up right around, the, around the corner. We actually had some games today and yesterday, too, I think. Um, anyway, just before we get started here, if you are looking to buy some spring training tickets or just tickets to the, any regular season games, that uh, you can go head over to stubyard.com and use the code BPN10. And they'll get you 10% off any purchase. Again, that is stubyard.com, and the code there is BPN10. Also, we have our monthly uh, merchandise design over on baseballpodcastnet.com. Uh, this month is going to be a Gerard Dyson uh, design T-shirt. It actually looks pretty pretty cool. So if you want to go ahead and check that out, that is baseballpodcastnet.com. Anyway, tonight is our 90-minute NLS uh, preview show. We're going to be covering uh, each each uh, team for 15 minutes, and uh, we're going to start start off with the Diamondbacks. So, the whole the, the Diamondbacks plan in the off season at the beginning it was it was kind of in that gray area. You know, you started a, a lot of Diamondbacks fans were hopeful that they would try to build off their success from the last two years and they would try to make a push, but um, then again, as as we saw from what happened, it's cor- sort of started to be the beginning of a rebuild or at least a little bit of a sell-off. Um, so, obviously, the highlight of the uh, of the offseason was the Paul Goldschmidt trade, where the Diamondbacks traded first baseman Paul Goldschmidt, who has been the face of the franchise for I don't even know how many years now. You could argue that he is the best player in franchise history. For Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly, and uh, infield prospect Andy Young, um, just – Chris, like as, as as a Diamondbacks fan, what was your initial reaction when you heard that Goldschmidt got traded? I didn't like the trade because Goldie's been here forever and he's uh, the face of our franchise. And I, at first, I felt like we got nothing back for him compared to what I think we could have. So I didn't like the trade when I first saw it. Yeah, I I, I still think I do think we could have gotten more in return because, um, for you know, although it is a rental, you you. you the Cardinals still probably have the best chance of, of re-signing him. And honestly, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that they could have gotten more out of him. But uh, just from a logical standpoint, obviously most fans aren't going to like it. But from a logical standpoint, it does make sense to trade him for one year and to get, try to get as much, much out of him as possible. Um, but then again, yeah. Obviously, the Diamondbacks also lost two of their, I would say, two of their top four, top five players. Um, on top of Goldschmidt, and that was A.J. Pollock and Patrick Corbin, both to free agency. Um, A.J. Pollock, you know, longtime center fielder. Um, he's had – his career has just been plagued by injuries, and really if, if he didn't have all the, the injury bug all the time, he, he could be, you know, one of the best two-way players in, in baseball. But just because of that, I don't think he was able to fully reach his potential. 
he did sign I think it was a the five year deal. I think so. Yeah, a five year deal with the uh with the Dodgers going to the division rival. So um again I best of luck to him. I, I hope he actually succeeds, you know. Uh and obviously not against us, but against other teams, you know. <laughs> you know, go ahead. But uh yeah. I and then also Patrick Corbin, you know, one of our longtime uh he was a he was a two time all star for us, Re- really good lefty, uh in the rotation. Um he signed a six year deal with the Washington Nationals and uh you know Nationals it seems like they're honestly trying to build up for for a deep playoff run even though that they lost uh they're going to probably they're going to lose uh their franchise face in Bryce Harper but yeah anyway um yeah so that was kind of the D-backs plan this off season was just pretty much to rebuild and to try to you know gear up um try to gear up for you know the upcoming years until the, the, their farm system you know some some of the, those top prospects are reached start you know poking into the majors. Um, some key signings that the Diamondbacks had obviously after the loss um, of after the loss of AJ Pollock they needed it to fill the hole in center field, and it looks like uh, Mike Hazen's already stated this that Cattell Marte is going to move from second base to center field. Um, I think he played a little bit of outfield in Seattle, and he definitely has the athletic ability to play in center, and I think he will do just fine out there. So, in response, they signed – yeah, I think he'll do fine. But uh, especially, you know, just watching him play and back in 2017 when he was when he was uh, playing at shortstop, I mean, he had, he, looked, he was looking like a, a gold glover at times. And other times, you know, he was looking, you know, like kind of – he was looking kind of amateur out there. Obviously, you're going to get that with with a really young player. But, you know, he, he has really good defensive ability and just natural raw talent. Yeah, anyway, so – in response, the Diamondbacks signed uh, veteran infielder Wilmer Flores on a one-year deal, and Lavello has also stated that he's going to be the everyday second baseman. Um, again, also, and they're going to with the uh, with the loss of Goldschmidt, they're going to move Lamb over to first. Um, so, Chris, another yeah, it's another big topic is how will these new guys do in their new position? So, and Chris, like what can we expect out of Jake Lamb this year, you know, after the, you know, down year last year? Um, I think he's going to have a bounce back year and do a lot better, but he'll probably struggle defensively a little bit because adjusting to a new position is always a challenge, especially when they're just kind of throwing you in there. So I think uh, Jake Lamb will do pretty good this year. And um, of course with his bat, hopefully he can improve a little bit against righties and, uh, Wilmer Flores, I think he's a good um, good player to fill in second. Not of, of course, he's not the best player we could have gotten, and uh, but he's a good player. And Catal um, Marte, out in center field, he's going to do pretty good. I think he's his bat won't change, of course, and uh, just like Lamb, he'll probably do a little bit worse defensively than you would hope, but he'll get used to that as he gets more experience out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple other just uh, additions to the roster, just some more minor ones. Obviously, you have guys, you know, you got from the Goldschmidt trade, Luke Weaver, Carson Kelly. Looks like they're both going to be in the major league lo- roster, and, you know, they'll have their contributions. Dimebacks also picked up some guys like Tim LaCastro, who actually played a little bit for the Dodgers last year. Um, he's just a backup outfielder. They also signed Kelby Tomlinson, who you guys probably know. Um, you know, he he was a, he was a – player for the Giants over the past few years and he he's 
pretty much just known for his defensive uh, versatility and his contact hitting. And I, I don't think it's a bad deal, especially, you know, how relevant, you know, or how prevalent these injuries are seeming. Then I think it's a, it's a good, you know, depth signing. A couple other guys here, uh, Rob Refsnyder, Caleb Joseph, Robbie Scott, and Mark Zepchinski. They were all signed. I, I don't know. I think they were all minor league deals, but yeah, just, a lot of depth signings that just looking at it, I think they're all the, you know, solid moves that, that can help the team out. I think, uh, you know, guys like ref Snyder, they, if, if, you know, one, if one of the outfield guys gets hurt, you know, he, they could, he can sub in for, uh, you know, a game or two. Um, There's always going to be injuries. So it's yeah. always great to have those minor leaguers with experience. Yeah. Um, and if Caleb Joseph, again, if the Steinbacks are, are insistent on keeping three catchers on their roster, you can, you know, you can put in Joseph there as your fourth, and then you have guys like Robbie Scott, Mark Zepchinski, um, who are they're both uh, veteran lefties, and you know they can just fill in time. Um, some more other losses that Dimebacks, um, you know, the players that signed with different teams. You have Brad Broxer, which I actually consider a win just because I mean he was not very valuable to the team last year. Uh, Chris Owings also was uh, he was non-tendered um, on on. He was non-tendered for the D-backs. He became a free agent. Uh, Boxberger and Owings both went to Kansas City. Shelby Miller uh, was also, um, I guess, I don't know if we say released, but yeah, non-tendered. Uh, he went he went to the Rangers, and Randall Delgado signed a deal with the White Sox. So a couple guys uh, that are leaving there, but then again, with any major league roster, you're going to have to give up on guys eventually. Um, there's a couple other uh, small notes here before we move into the awards. They re-signed Eduardo Escobar to a three-year, $21 million deal. And then they hired uh, Darnell Coles, which was the uh, the Brewers hitting coach, as their own hitting coach. He uh, he coached the Tigers back in 2014 and then the Brewers from 2015-2018. So he was, you know, instrumental in helping Christian Yelich, you know, kind of just take his level, uh, game to the next level. Um. We're moving here into our awards, award predictions. Um, so, Chris, if you just want to start it off with your with what you with your picks. Okay. For uh, my MVP, I have David Peralta. For my Cy Young, I have Robbie Ray. For my uh, Silver Slugger, I have David Peralta. For my uh, Rookie of the Year, I have Yoan Lopez. For my uh, Reliever of the Year, I have uh, Hirano. And for my comeback play of the year, I have Avila. Hopefully, he makes a comeback. Yeah, and then for my MVP, I had Peralta, Cy Young. I said Granky, but that could be also be Ray. Either way, uh, Silver Slugger also Peralta. You know, just based off his numbers from last year, Rookie of the Year. I also said Lopez. Again, we don't really have a lot of rookies that are going to be in the roster. Uh, bullpen. I said Archie Bradley. I think he's uh, poised for a breakout season and comeback player of the year. I said Lamb just because he was because of the injury problems, but yeah. So just a little bit here that actually will get us into our next segment. Um, I think a lot of these uh, awards are pretty set in stone, but the main thing here is with the is with the delivery man of the year or the the best bullpen piece. A huge topic, and this was a topic uh, from last season, is who is going to be the guy, the ninth inning guy for the Diamondbacks? Is it going to be um, Archie Bradley, who seems like the favorite? Is it going to be the veteran Greg Holland that they signed? That's another guy we that that they signed to, um, or is it going to be um, Yoshi Hirano, who after a very solid uh, rookie campaign at the age of 34, you know he could also be there. So Chris, 
just who do you think is going to win the closer position and who do you th- think is best suited to, to close? I think it'll be, um, I think Holland is probably the best suited to close because he has the most experience there, but Bradley has shown that he can close in the past few years. And I think that, uh, it'll be, it'll be like Archie Bradley and Greg Holland pretty much kind of switching off, getting time as the closer, and then as you they as Lavella watches and sees how they perform, he might throw Hirano in there, or and might take Bradley out or Holland out, or just it. It probably just depends on how the season ends up going and how they perform throughout the season on who ends up being the closer for the most of the year. Yeah, and then again, this is my take personally. Um, it, I, I'm kind of going this based off what the Tampa Bay Rays are doing, and you know I, I'm. The reason I'm going off the Rays is that they won 90 games with the lowest payroll in the league, the lowest market in the league. Um, and that's good. They, they, my my strategy or my thinking is you put in the guy who has the best chance to get the save. It doesn't matter if it's going to be Archie, Hirano, or Holland. Just whatever guy, you know, whatever guy is is has the best chance of getting those three outs is the guy you put in. Or if you know you put in a guy for for one out, and then you bring in the guy for the final two whatever it is like that. But if I had to pick one clear cut closer, I would say probably Greg Holland to start off the year, just because, you know, he's the safe pick. He's the veteran. Um, I think Archie's obviously the wild card pick there. I think this was kind of it last year, but um, yeah, I, I, um, you know, there was Brad Boxberger who was, you know, a lot of people expected him to be the closer for just the first part of the year. And then they would put an Archie later on, but uh, later on in the season, obviously that, that didn't really ever happen. Um, but you know, now it might, you know, Holland, um, depending on how he does, you know, maybe if he, he, he's a great closer and like his 2017 year with the Rockies and, you know, he's, and he's really good or like, you know, how Holland was last year with the, with the nationals, he was really good then. Um, but with the Cardinals, he was bad. So, um, any final thoughts, Chris here? Uh, no, I'm just really excited for the season to start, and I think that we definitely have the players to go and have a decent season. Not an amazing season, but I definitely think we could have a good season with what we got. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Again, D-backs, uh spring training opener tomorrow at 1 p.m. at Salt River Fields. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to hit an ad here and then move into our next team. Hey guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on the show. Just want to make sure you tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a very special episode lined up for you. We're going to be breaking down, getting you guys ready for the Pirates-Phillies matchup later in the day, first spring training game. We're also going to be discussing the bench options for the Pirates in 2019, as well as taking a look back at the last five opening day starters as Clint Hurdle just recently announced that Jameson Ty will take them out on opening day and Chris Archer for their home opener. And to wrap it up, we're going to be looking at the top 100 prospect rankings and see where guys like Hugh Brian Hayes and Mitch Keller land. All this and much more on this week's episode of Bucko Booth at 8 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in. You do not want to miss it. And uh, enjoy the rest of this episode. And we will see you Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. All right, moving in, moving on to the next team here in the National League West Division. We have the arch nemesis, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, their offseason recap, it was quite an interesting one, honestly. There was a lot of big moves. There was a lot of speculation. Um, a lot of things that changed. 
um, I think the the main thing, the the biggest uh, the biggest part of their offseason was obviously the Yasiel Puig trade. Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood. Um, they traded him to the Reds. They traded Puig, Kemp, Wood, and Kyle Farmer, who was their kind of their backup catcher, um, to the Reds for Homer Bailey, and I it might have been someone else, but it was mainly Homer Bailey, and then they immediately released him. So it, it seems like this was a a money clearing move, but I mean. I, I can understand trading Matt Kemp. And I can understand trading Alex Wood and Farmer, but Yasiel Puig has kind of been the face of LA for for a lot. Not, I wouldn't say the face of LA, but he's been one of the faces of LA. Um, he's a fan favorite, obviously. I think he's a very marketable player. And uh, the trade to me was honestly very surprising. Was that kind of surprising for, for you, Chris? Yeah, I saw it as a move to try and get Harper, but as we uh, see that it's probably not as likely now. I think it's getting worse and worse and that uh it, it really shocked me that they traded so much and didn't even get re- i think they got one prospect but they didn't really get much in return that they could use av- pretty much ever yeah and well the thing is um i would there's also been trade rumors around jock peterson uh in center field i think you, there was speculation that he might be, might have been traded to the white Sox. um that obviously died down pretty quickly but I just looking at it, I don't know if the Dodgers care about this so much, but they have they have a lot of left-handed bats in there now. Um, you know, with trading plea, um, and then all that. So I, I would have rather traded Peterson, um, um, than Puig. But then again, I, obviously they had their they had their reasons. Um, it seems like they were putting. Well, after, it seems like they were going to go for Harper in the beginning, but after you know there was the whole money thing with the luxury tax, um. It seems like that that they would that they were, they were going to sign AJ Pollock. So I don't know what they're going to do um, with Jock Peters, and maybe they move him to right or move him to left and move Tolls to right or whatever. But yeah, anyway, another. Uh, wait, let me just scroll down here. Another don't trade. They have Chris yeah. Taylor that can play one of those spots. We'll we'll get into that. But another, another addition: the uh, they traded a couple minor leaguers for uh, catcher Russell Martin from the Blue Jays, and he's it looks like he's pretty much going to be a stopgap until. Guys like Kybert Ruiz, uh, you know, good, big prospects of the Dodgers are going to get are going to be called up. Um, yeah, so he he looks like he's going to be him and Austin Barnes are going to platoon time back there. Um, yeah, and then again, the, the, they had the the four players that they lost, which was Kemp, Puig, Wood, and Farmer. Um, obviously, they did lose Machado, but it, it wasn't it, they weren't going to ever re-sign him because they have Corey Seager coming back off Tommy, Tommy John surgery. And then the, probably the, the two biggest signings from the offseason, obviously the AJ Pollock deal, which I think it was five years, sixty million. Which Chris just as a D-backs fan, I know a lot of you know D-backs D-backs fans are upset about Pollock, you know, going to the Dodgers. But would you really want to pay Pollock a injury prone player five years, sixty million? Um, I think that's all. That's a while, considering he'd be thirty-six when that contract would end. And as you get older, you get even more injury prone. So, it it wouldn't be a good deal in the long run. But I mean, for maybe a year or two, if he stays healthy, I would it would be worth it. But after he gets older and older, it, it I don't think I could do as a team would want to do that. But if that's what it takes to bring him on, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah, uh, and then then the big signing they had was uh, relief pitcher Joe Kelly. Um, obviously, relief pitching has been kind of just a, a little bit of a, of a of a hole on the roster for the Dodgers. 
especially early last year. There, there were so many injuries, and it was it was unbelievable. But um, yeah, they signed Joe Kelly on a three-year deal and uh, from the World Series champion Boston Red Sox. Um, so I think it's a good signing for them. He, he's a you know he's a he, he he pitches well in the clutch situations. He's obviously got a lot of postseason experience. Um, so that's a pretty good signing for them. Uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to move on straight into our awards real quick here, and then we can talk more about it after. So, uh, Chris, you can start it off. Uh, give us your awards for the Dodgers. Okay, for my MVP, I have Justin Turner. For my Cy Young, I have Walker Bueller. For the Silver Slugger, I have Cody Bellinger. For the Rookie of the Year, I have Verdugo. And for the Bullpen Pitcher of the Year, I have Jansen. And then for Comeback Player of the Year, I have Corey Seager. All right, and for my MVP, this might be a little biased since, you know, Bellinger w- w- grew up in Arizona and went to one of my rival high schools, but I have Bellinger being their MVP. Uh, I still say Kershaw for Cy Young. That's, that's kind of a safe pick because um, Bueller, you never know what's going to happen in a sophomore year. Silver Slugger, I also said Bellinger, Rookie of the Year. Alex Verdugo, I think we got a lot more playing time, um, you know, with, with guys like Puig gone, Puig and, uh, yeah, and, and Kemp. Gone uh, bullpen. I said Kenley Jansen, which you know, obviously. I mean, you could go with Joe Kelly, but I think Jansen is still obviously the best reliever by a mile. Comeback player of the year, uh, like obviously Corey Seager. He he barely played last year, and uh, yeah, and he should be poised for another Silver Slugger caliber uh, season. Um, and the thing here's the thing with the Dodgers that I think a lot of other teams don't really succeed at is that. Every every player in the Dodgers rosters, at least for position players, is all is somehow incorporated. I mean, just anytime you you watch the Dodgers play, it seems like at least in the later innings, there's a double switch every single inning. You know, you'll have, you know, a lot of their guys are really versatile. I mean, you have guys like Chris Taylor who can play anywhere on the field. Same with Enrique Hernandez, um, and guys like Cody Bellinger, they can play first base and the outfield. I mean, you have so much versatility everywhere. You can pretty much. There's so many possible starting starting lineups you can make that you, it's not really uh, simple to make to have just one you know just one lineup. And Chris, I think you can agree with me here that, that the Dodgers they yeah they succeed at doing that where, while a lot of other teams don't. Um, yeah, can, can I mean do you agree with that that the Dodgers yeah they're they're really good at just shuffling in all their all their players. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah the. That's the one thing. That's that's just the one thing that Dodgers excel at. It it doesn't matter, you know. It seems that yeah, they they, they definitely incorporate every player and they put them in at, at the biggest situations. And they don't really have a set lineup. They don't have a like, one, two, three, four, you know, one through one through nine that they all rock out with every day. You know, some days you'll see you know Bellinger at first base, and you'll see him in left, in center, and right, and then you'll see him hitting you know lead off, you know, clean up, whatever wherever it is. And that the thing that that really throws off the other teams, and that's why I think the Dodgers are are have been such a good team, even the, despite the talent, is that they is Dave Roberts. You know, I I hate to say this because you know I'm obviously we're Diamondbacks fans, we we don't really, we don't like the Dodgers, but Dave Roberts is one of the best managers in baseball, just by the way he just just by his decisions, um, you know, right up there with you know guys like Bob Melvin and, and Kevin Cash. Um, I think oh yeah couple more uh things to talk about here is um uh, yeah there were were some more signings um minor league deals guys like paulo orlando who i could see definitely giving some playing time especially if there's some injuries in the outfield and kevin quackenbush who probably is going to make the opening day roster 
another solid better reliever out there. Um, and then one of the bigger topics is the return of Corey Seager after they, they uh, had Machado for the, for the last second half of last year. Um, Chris, what can we expect from Corey Seager going into 2019 and, and how, and how, do you think is that his injury is going to slow him down, or do you think he's going to pick back up right where he left off? I think it'll slow him down for the first few. Um, I think it'll slow him down for the first few days, and then, uh, and then as he uh, gets uh, as he gets used to the pitching more and more, he'll get he'll pick back up after after a little bit. But I definitely think he'll be slowed down by uh, the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's some, something I, I don't really know why, why it, it happens to certain teams more than others, but it seems like the, like the Dodgers re- do suffer a lot more injuries than than um, than a lot of other teams, especially yeah, beginning of last year. I mean, it seems that everyone was was on the, the uh, was on the disabled list. Um, but yeah, Corey Seager, I, I don't think he'll be as I don't think he'll be um, as good at first, but I think you know after a couple months he's going to get back into the routine of things. He's definitely going to be one of the better shortstops in the league. Um, and real quick before we um, move on to the next team here, I just want to go over the starting rotation for the Dodgers because um, just looking at it on paper, you know, you have your top, um, it, it, you have your top, you know, five or six guys, but it gets, it starts to get a little bit more thin the farther you go down. So I'm just going to list off. Obviously, Clayton Kershaw is probably going to be your opening day starter. Although some people say, well, Walker Buehler is better. Uh, nowadays, I obviously I they're obviously gonna start Clayton Kershaw because he's been he's been the kind of the face of the Dodgers for so long. So you have Kershaw, Bueller, you have Hunjin Ryu who accepted his uh, qualifying offer last year, so he's gonna be in Los Angeles for at least one more year. And then you have guys Ross Stripling, uh, Julio Arias, who um is still well he's only what like 23 years old, so he's definitely still has a lot of potential even coming off Tommy John and you get guys like Rich Hill. So definitely a lot, a lot of depth for the Dodgers. But the one thing you, again, you got to worry about last year, uh, Kershaw's had some time in the DL. I pretty sure think Rich Hill did a lot of guys. And that's, that's the thing with baseball is that you need to have guys ready to go in his backups. If, if, if you're a, if, if you're, you know, your top guys get injured. Um, and, you know, then there are some guys like Kenta Maeda who could fill in. Um, but, I think Maeda is more of a – I think they're planning to use him more out of the bullpen. But, yeah, then again. Um, and another thing for them, besides uh, Barnes and Martin, they don't really have, you know, uh, a pretty good uh, backup catcher. I mean, there are guys like Rocky Gale who spent some time with the Padres. I think the Rockies uh, – or was he play for the yeah, – he definitely spent some time with the Padres. So, I mean, the, there are some – there are some uh, – there, there, the Dodgers obviously they have a lot of talent, but the thing that you know that that might be a be a you know a pest to them is obviously the injury problems. Which if they can avoid it, they're going to probably win the division by a mile, kind of like they did in 2017. But if if you know the injury problems are still back there, I think the division is wide open to a lot of different teams. Yeah, and um, Kershaw is even he stopped throwing today. Uh, I think I saw that he was sick, but. Even that could slow a team down a lot and make their push for the playoffs um, harder, and especially when he's your ace and you lose your best pitcher to something like that. So I think any injuries that can happen are going to slow the team down, and they have lots of injuries. So hope 
So they have to hope that some of the things they've done over the done over the off season make it so that they have more and are able to uh not have to worry if one person gets injured they don't like they don't fall off for a while until he comes back. Mhm. Uh and then one more topic here of uh, they they did give Kershaw a three year max deal. I think it was like ninety something million. Um so it seems that they're obviously still putting a lot of trust into Kershaw and they still and they still, you know, they they still think that he's the ace, and he, honestly, I, a lot of people have given up on him, or they they said that he's not as good. But if I can just really quick pull pull up his stats from uh from 2018, so just take a second here. Um, he did only pitch 100, 161 innings, and his actually, and his innings have been kind of down ever since 2015. Um, uh, but again, he's only 30, he's only um 30 years old, or he might be 31 now. But and so I think. It's not like he's falling off a cliff. I still think he's going to be a very solid pitcher for them. Last year, he had an ERA under three. I mean, he's just been – I mean, he hasn't had ERA over um, two point – over like – what's it? Let's say two – yeah, he hasn't had an ERA over 2.6 since 2010 when he was 22 years old. So, I, he's, I think, still think he's the best starting pitcher of this decade. And I think he will be eventually. So, any final thoughts, Chris, before we wrap it up here? Yeah, the Dodgers just have to hope that the injury bug stays away from them and uh, all their uh, depth players step up and their new signings do what their what their gap brought there to do. Mm-hmm. For sure. We're going to hit another ad here, and then we have – what team going up next? Giants. We have the Rockies, yeah. This week on the iView, we talk about what the MLB will be doing in spring training games as there will be 20-second pitch clocks for each pitcher. We will also be talking about possible enemies in the division and who will put up good division games along with rivalries and how our first two spring training games went along with full reports and any news from spring training games and practices so far. Make sure you tune in this Sunday. Thanks, guys. All right, next team we have here is actually the Giants, not the Rockies. Uh, so, and the Giants, again, the Giants have been one of the best teams, um, not recently, but in, in the first, you know, part of, of the 2010s. They you could argue that they were the, they have been the best team of this decade, 10, 2012, and 2014. Um, so, you know, they've been, you know, in, in the, they've been in the playoff hunt for a decent amount of years, um, and they've always been a competitive team, and they've also been one of baseball's most popular. You could say even there for a long time that they, they, they rivaled the uh, the Dodgers in popularity. Um, Chris, I mean, I don't know how often you attend D-backs games against, you know, the Dodgers and Giants, but it seems that anytime they play the Giants and Dodgers that it, there's usually more um, Giants fans or Dodgers fans than there are D-backs fans. Yeah, it seems like that happens with most teams that come here. It just uh, – D-Bucks fans don't really show up for a lot of games if they're not doing well around that time, it seems. so. Uh, but it's definitely teams like the Dodgers and Giants. Their stadiums are packed with the Giant fans, and you almost feel like you you left the state to see another game because that's just how many people there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the Giants, it seems that they are somewhat entering a new era. Um, obviously, you have guys like Bumgarner, and who are pro- who might you know leave the team this year, and you're, you're losing some of your you know key veteran pieces. 
Hunter Pence is going to the Rangers. Um, you know, you have guys like Gregor Blanco, who I think he, yeah, he's playing for the Giants last year, but now he's going to be on the New York Mets. Um, and that, yeah, and just a lot of guys like that. Um, so, I, and obviously, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think there's there's guys on the Giants that are that from from those original, you know, 20, 20, 12, 2014 teams that are starting to clear out. I think the Giants are entering a new era. And I don't think it's going to be a good one for them because just I, I think they're going to be a very mediocre team over the next, you know, you know, five, four to five years. Uh, I don't see them really, uh, you know, competing for a division title. Um, at, least, at least not in the, in the near future. Last year, the Giants, surprisingly, I think it was actually beginning of September. They were only six games out of the division. So. Um, they're still not a bad team. I still don't think they're like they're not Oriole level bad, but um, I, I don't think they're going to be you know contending for a, any any playoff spots anytime soon. Yeah, they're definitely uh, they've definitely fallen off a cliff in the past few years. It seems like they went from one of the best teams in the league winning a World Series every other year, and then they lost to the Cubs in the uh, uh, NLDS I think in 2016. And they just haven't really been uh, good or competitive after that. And uh, they're definitely not going to be contending anytime soon with the Rockies and the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah, well, I think the main thing that marks them as kind of entering a new era is that Bruce Bochy just recently announced that this season will be his last uh, managing the Giants. And, you know, that I think that's really the big signifier that the Giants are entering a new era because Bruce Bochy was kind of – he was the heart and soul of that team, um, and he, yeah, he was he was a great manager. But yeah, he's gonna be, he yeah he's, he's not gonna be there anymore. So they're gonna Giants have to look for a new manager, a new identity um, coming going to 2020. Um, we'll go over the awards here uh, quickly. So uh, actually, before before we do the awards, another big topic that the Giants Giants have been uh that, that the Giants have been surrounded by is Bryce Harper now. Bryce Harper somehow still hasn't signed. We're almost in March. It's it's uh yeah, so we're still waiting on Harper to sign. He should be signing here within the next few you know, within the next few days, maybe this weekend. I mean, you know we said that last week, but and he never did, but you know, maybe eventually he will. But um yeah, so the thing yeah, so the the Giants, yeah, they've been I think it's them and the Phillies that have been really interested in Harper. It seems like the uh the Phillies are gonna be the the are the are the favorite and I think there's um, tonight that John Heyman tweeted that the Phillies owner and Harper had a meeting in Las Vegas. So um, it definitely seems that Harper's going to the Phillies. Chris, do you think there's really any realistic chance that Harper's going to the Dodgers anymore? Uh, definitely not the Dodgers or the Giants. Uh, sorry, not, and, not, not uh, the Dodgers. Yeah, the Giants, I meant, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to the NL West at either team. I think uh, I saw that someone with the Phillies is meeting with uh, Harper in Vegas, which probably means he's going to sign soon, and they're just fi- probably finaling up, finalizing some smaller details. But uh, it's been pretty obvious he was going to the Phillies for a while now, and uh, I just don't know why he hasn't signed. I just I don't think he wanted to go to the uh, Giants, considering all they were offering was money and not really a competitive team for a while. Yeah, yeah I mean, and at least with Machado, the Padres. Um, Right now they're you know the kind of mediocre team, but in a few years they're going to be. We'll get into it when we cover them in more in detail. But yeah, in the in a few years the, the Padres are going to be right near the top at all of baseball. Um, 
Yeah, but so, uh, Chris, if you just want to start us off for your awards for here. Um, so my, for my MVP, I have Brandon Crawford. For my Cy Young, I have Madison Bumgardner. For my Silver Slugger, I have Brandon Belt. For the Rookie of the Year, I have uh, Shaw. And then for the Reliever of the Year, I have Smith. And Comeback Player of the Year, I have Evan Longoria. All right. So, yeah, for mine, I had – well, I, would, I did have Bryce Harper if they do sign him, which uh, there's – again, people didn't think that Machado was going to the Padres at the beginning of the season, so honestly anything can happen at this point. But otherwise, I said Brandon Belt, the MVP. Cy Young, I went with Derek, Derek Rodriguez. I think um, he's going to – he's poised for a really good season. Um, I think Bum Gardner, um, he might be starting to regress at some point. Um, oh, well, that is – that's okay. That was an ad. Bumgarner might be starting to regress here at some point. I don't know if he's going to have such a dominant season as he did, but I could still see Bumgarner being the best pitcher on the, on the team. Silver Slugger, I'll say Brandon Belt, Rookie of the Year, Chris Shaw, bullpen. Uh, I still went, I went with Will Smith and Comeback Player of the Year. I think Evan Longoria, too. So, and that's the thing. The uh, the Giants, they don't really have the, 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 the one key star any, anymore. They, I mean, you could say that Brandon Crawford or you know guys like Brandon Belt or – Evan Longoria or Madison Mugwarner, but they don't really have that one guy who's going to be, you know, who's going to be, you know, putting up really big numbers every single year. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, the Giants used to have guys um, like Buster Posey, who, you know, he, he was, I think he was the MVP of the league, um, but now he's kind of just a shell of his former self. Um, he's not, he's on definitely on the decline. He's not as good as good anymore. Um, he's still obviously a, you know, top, you know, five, 10 catcher in the league, but, He's not, he's not nearly to the level that he was before. Um, guys like Brandon Belt are definitely declining. He, I mean, he, I mean they're still good. They're not bad. They're not like, uh, you know, replacing level players. They're still, you know, they're still decent players that could be on, on a decent team. But, um, and then again, they they were trying to go competitive style last year when they, you know, they got guys, yeah, like Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon. Um, Andrew McCutcheon's not even on the team anymore, and who knows what's going to happen with Longoria. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of questions for the Giants. Um, Chris, what do you think the biggest hole on, on the Giants roster is right now? Well, for the Giants, I'd say is their outfield. They really don't have anyone out there that's a uh, really good player that can be should be a starter on a decent team. And they don't really have many players in, that can even be depth there that are decent. And uh, also, most of the moves they made this offseason are moves for depth. Yeah. Guys like Jake Barrett and Gerardo Parra. They're pretty much just making it so they have a space for, to have a team. And then they're going to try and do something later on in a few years, maybe. But right now, I, I feel like tanking just so they can try and get someone yeah. good in the draft or something. I think a lot of the these signings, they signed uh, you know, Haber Soarte recently, guys like Gerardo Parra and Nick Vincent. I think they're just stopgaps until some of their, some of their um, prospects can get the, can organize the call-up. Um, but yeah, um, probably their big best defraging signing was probably going to be uh, Gerardo Parra. Um, he, he's a decent outfielder. I think he could be an everyday outfielder, um, but he's not He's not going to be, you know, one of, the, one of your star outfielders like you know, again, like I had Andrew McCutcheon last year, um, or he's not—he's not—he's not only even like Hunter Pence level. Well, you could say that, um, I guess, but I don't think he's gonna be, you know, 
he's not going to be, you know, a, a guy you can really like count on as being like your guy in the outfield too. So honestly, I, I think that they're going to rock with an outfield of Shaw, uh, Dugar and Para. Don't know what the arrangement will be completely, but uh, definitely their outfield. There's a, a lot of questions. It's very left-handed heavy. I, I mean, there's only real right, uh, right-handed bat in the outfield is John Andrioli. And I don't think he's even in the majors. So, um, well, then you, um, so yeah, I think that that's definitely the biggest hole on the Giants roster. Um, I, I in in the pitching, um, pitching honestly, if you look at it right now, it's not that bad. You have a starting five of Matt, of Bumgarner, Rodriguez, Suarez, uh, Jeff Samarja, who I don't know if he's when he's going back, but he should be back sometime this year. Uh, and you have guys like Chris Stratton and Tyler Beatty, who you know vying for that fifth spot. Uh, and there is Johnny Cueto, who should be coming back sometime later in the year. And it all depends. He he's had so many injuries. I I honestly don't couldn't tell you when or if he's going to come back this year. But yeah. Um. But, and then the thing is, uh, the starting pitching yes for the Giants is pretty thin. Um. Obviously, you know your starting five is not that bad. Um. You know I think they could get a better fifth 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 starter, but they don't really have a lot of they don't really have like a lot of starting pitching depth. Um. So. Yeah, I, I think their bullpen is pretty good, though. You have guys, uh, as we said already, Will Smith. You guys like Tony Watson, um, Reyes Maranta, who's, on, who's I think he's, he's uh, on the up climb. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's one of their young stars. Uh, Mark Melanson, who's still on that awful contract. Guys like Sam Dyson. So, and obviously uh, Jake Barrett, who they just picked up. So the bullpen's not terrible. I mean, there's there's no real – there's not like a huge um, – it's not like they only have like you know one or two guys that are that can be good, but it's definitely not elite. I think the whole I think the whole word that can is that can describe the Giants roster is just okay. It, there's no yeah, there's no one that's that there's no one that's really terrible, but there's no one that's really good. Um but again, Chris, what what do you think the one thing is to watch for when the Diamondbacks play the Giants this year? Um I I I'm not really sure. I'd say the one thing to watch is uh Probably uh, I don't I don't even know they don't really have anyone that's really great but maybe uh, keep your eye on Bumgarner if he's pitching if he's still there when they're playing him because some reason he can hit really well here for some reason and uh, uh, Buster Posey in one in his last few years of really doing good he's definitely going to be something you want to watch as one of the has a pretty great catcher and. Uh, guy that can do some decent damage if you don't if you're not really careful around him yeah and the one name that for some reason always pops up is austin slater now i don't know what it is i don't think he's honestly that good of a player but it seems like against the diamondbacks he just turns into mike trout i mean i remember just going to a few giants uh d-backs and giants games this year and austin slater would just kill us you know extra base hit after extra base hit and um so you know, look look for him to maybe you know look for one of those random uh, random guys to just start killing the D-backs and being a yeah, being a Diamondback killer. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, there, I think there's not really a lot to watch in the Giants this year. I think there's going to be a really mediocre and forgettable team, and you know who knows what what's going to happen with them, um, what's going to happen with the Giants just in terms of their popularity sake. Um, again, we yeah we don't really, I mean, honestly, a lot of things. Um, could happen with them. A couple more uh, signings we can go over right here. They signed uh, – they got outfielder Mike Gerber, who 
used to play for the Tigers. Now he, I think he's a serviceable outfielder. Like you can, you know, maybe expect 80 to 90 games out of him, but I don't think he's going to be an everyday player. Um, guys like Brave Valera, who are just depth. Uh, Cameron Rupp, it seems like he's going to be their backup catcher. Um, again, you know, there's the Jake Barrett trade from the Diamondbacks, and you know, I hope I hope that Jake Barrett could have turned into something for the Diamondbacks, but it seems like he's not going to. Uh, guys like Trevor Gott and Nick Benson too. So, any final thoughts, Chris? Uh, just Dodgers won't really be a threat to anyone this year, and uh, they're not. They're going to be okay. They won't do much that's special, and uh, hopefully they stay that way for a while, so that the D-backs can try and get their way in and do some stuff in the division. Yeah. All right, we're we're going to kick it to an ad here, and uh, and then we got the where is it? Yeah, we're going to kick it to an ad here, and then the Padres are next. Make sure to tune into the Marlins Catch this Monday night at 7.30 Eastern. We will be discussing and breaking down the progression of the hitters and pitchers throughout the first week of spring training. With the first spring training game of this season, Saturday against the Cardinals, we will be seeing how Sandy Alcantara pitches and how all the other hitters and pitchers look in the first game back. We will also be discussing Cito Sanchez, the most exciting Marlins arm since Jose Fernandez and the signing of reliever Sergio Romo. With 2019 season around the corner, we will be discussing the potential of players like Monte Harrison, Lewis Brinson, and Julio Fernandez. You don't want to miss it this Monday at 7.30 Eastern on the Marlins Catch Podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. Moving into here to probably the uh, most exciting team to talk about in the NLS is the San Diego Padres. Um, Obviously, uh, it was this week, um, it was headlined by the signing of uh, free agent shortstop Manny Machado, um, and, see, and obviously he was a um, you know a top two free agent on the market. Uh, him along with Bryce Harper, he signed a ten year, three hundred million dollar deal. There was an opt out after the fifth year, but uh, I mean I don't really see Machado uh, doing the opt out unless the Padres just are, are you know don't, don't live up to the to their hype. But yeah, I think Padres they definitely made. I think they. Um, I, th- I think just even money wise, I th- I think that the Machado deal was was honestly not not even a bad deal because if you look at some of the numbers Machado is putting up, um, especially from 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 last year, he's only 26 years old, so he's not even in his prime yet. He's you know a pl- he's a platinum glove winner. Um, you know he's gonna give you, give you gold glove defense. He's gonna give you uh, a silver slugger bat, MVP you know caliber player. Um, he's I, he's definitely gonna be the face of San Diego for the next you know ten eight, 10 years. Um, and he's only going to be 36 when his contract expires. So definitely, um, I, I think that it is, it, do you, uh, I think it was a good signing to the Padres. Chris, what are your, th- what are your thoughts? I think he's, he's going to be in his prime. It's just like why I thought the White Sox would sign him. He's going to be in his prime right when they all their prospects are getting up and ready to go. And the Padres haven't the best farm system in the league, in my opinion. And uh, they have so many guys that can fill in spots and are going to be great if they pan out and work out. So uh, I think the Machado deal is, very, is really good for the pod in the sense that right when he's going to be at his best, all of the prospects are going to be doing good. So they're yeah. definitely going to be a contender in a few years. Yeah, the Padres, they have – I think it's widely accepted that they have the best uh, – they have the best uh, farm system in baseball. They have 10 of the top 100 prospects. That is 10% of the be- of the b- best prospects in baseball are come from one team. 
which, you know, I think, you know, our team should regularly have maybe three to four, uh, you know, average, um, just based on numbers, but the Padres have 10. So, and a lot of them are near the top, you know, just reading off the top 10 prospects, there's Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, and he's, he's going to begin the year in a triple A El Paso, but he could, could get the call up um, at any, uh, some point throughout the season. Um, you have Mackenzie Gore, who is you know one of the best pitching prospects. Luis Arias, I think he made his debut last year. Uh, I could be mistaken there, but yeah, he he's definitely going to be uh, you know a, a decent everyday second baseman for the Padres. Francisco Mejia, who I think that was a great trade for them. They they didn't give up Brad Hand, but um, honestly, if you're getting a, I think Mejia could be a franchise catcher behind the plate. So. Yeah, and then you have guys Adrian Morahone, Chris Paddock, Luis Patino, Logan Allen, all uh, starting pitchers there. And you have guys uh, Josh Naylor, who is a big power uh, power hitting first baseman, and then in their number ten is right hand pitcher Cal Quintrill. So you have a lot of pitchers there, and if they want they want to go on a playoff run, um, you know if they want to go on a playoff run, they can definitely um, they, they can trade some of those, some of those young starters and you know turn it turn it into a and, and, they, and they can definitely, you know, get, get some really good pieces there um, or, you know, move some of their starters to the bullpen or something, anything like that. Um, and yeah. um, another pressure, if you mentioned, was a uh, prospect, uh, Fran Mil Reyes, out in the outfield. I'm pretty sure he made his debut last year, but I definitely think he's going to be a top player in the next uh, soon. I really like him as a prospect and him, Margot, and uh, – Renfro or Myers out there in the outfield, whoever, whatever they end up doing, that's going to be a good outfield in a few years, and it's definitely going to be a a contender-worthy uh, outfield. Mm-hmm. I think we should just go over our awards here real quick before uh, we get any further. So, awards, yeah, Chris, you just want to start it off. Okay. So, for the MVP, I have... Uh, Machado for the Cy Young. I have uh, Joey Lucchesi. I think that's how you say his last name. Silver Slugger, I have uh, Manny Machado. Rookie of the Year, I have uh, Tatis. And then the bullpen, I have Stammen. And for Comeback Player of the Year, I have Eric Hosmer. All right. Yeah, so I also have Machado for both MVP and Silver Slugger. Joey Lucchesi, again, for Cy Young. He's probably the, be the best pitcher for a while. Um Rookie of the year, I have Francisco Mejia. I don't know how long Tatis is going to be playing for um, in, the, in the majors bullpen. I have uh, Kirby Yates and comeback player of the year is Will Myers. Uh, we have Braden here from Phoenix. Why don't you talk about, about the Padres? How's it going, Braden? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, so uh, what do you want to talk about, about the Padres specifically? Um, so in a few years, like where do you think that – where do you think they're going to be? Are they just going to be a like pretty solid team? I know you guys touched on this a little bit, but are they just going to be a solid team? Or are they going to be like one of the best teams in the league, like a division powerhouse? Um, yeah, I it, honestly, it, you can't. It's really hard to tell right now because, um, just looking at it, the Padres on paper are going to are just by projections they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. But then again, that's a huge if. You know, prospects can fail, prospects can t- succeed, or whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, top, top guys that have, that have not panned out over the past few years, guys like Yuan Moncada, uh, um, aren't, aren't, aren't turning, aren't looking very good. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's honestly just going to depend on how, on how the prospects turn out. 
uh, I think they have a really good chance of being a top team just based off their, the core that they have. Um, I don't know if they're going to be a World Series contending team, but they're definitely going to be, I think, near the, the top of the division um, for, I think, starting probably in, like, 2022. And they'll probably have, like, a nice, um, you know, a nice five-year window of, of contention right there. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think their prospects definitely need to pan out. They might all wake up and decide that they don't want to do good or something else happens. And it also depends on the other teams in the division. If the Rockies, what they do, if they sign or re-sign Arenado, or if they just let some of their good players walk. And uh, other teams always kind of play a role into how good you do as a team. So their prospects, hopefully they pan out and then um, for them, and they'll, they'll be a good bit in a few years. Yeah. I think the Dodgers are going to be uh, near the top of the division and it's just how they're going to work with their huge market and everything. Um, but, yeah, I think just looking at it, I don't think that just looking at it in the next, you know, five years, I think it's going to, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be the Padres near the top along, you know, with, with, with the Dodgers. I think they're, it's going to be them too. Um, you know, Braden, just so um, – and kind of just like as as an average baseball fan, what do you think? How how do you feel about the Diamondbacks' uh, chances of competing in 2019? Um, uh, pretty slim. Yeah, I, I would We're say not that too. Too hot. Yeah, um, yeah, because we yeah, obviously we lost three of our you could say three of our four, of our four best players, um, and yeah, there's it's um it's it's not looking. I still think they 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 did lead the division for 125 uh, days of the of the year last year, um, so they're, they're still not. I think even with losing Goldschmidt, Corbin, and Pollock, they're not a bad team. Um, but then again, I don't think they're just how competitive the the National League is, and we'll get into that uh, later on. But yeah, I still think they're going to be um, it's competing for any playoff spots. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Uh, well, Brayden, thank you for joining the show. Uh, have a good night. You too. Bye. See you. Okay. So, uh, thank you, Brayden, for joining the show. Again, if you want to call in, that number is 845-277-9345. Um, so, yeah, again, with the Padres, um, they're, they're, they should – they also made a couple um, other good signings in the offseason just kind of to keep them competitive right now and maybe, you know, if they – just looking at it, you know, coming up in the next two years, the free agent classes are going to be, um, the free agent classes are bound to just be like insane. I think there's one that has like Bogart, Story, Lind- and Lindor, all in the same free agent class. Um, so there's definitely going to be, there's definitely going to be, you know, some. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, there's there's definitely going to be a, um, there a lot a lot of really good, really high high talent. Uh, Come, uh, that the Padres could go after if you know if they have the money for it or if if they want to add one more piece. So, and then again, it's just gonna it's gonna depend on how the, these prospects are gonna turn out. I definitely think one of the things that the Padres need to sign in the next years, if they want to be really competitive and win a championship, they need to sign one pitcher. I think they need to get a reliever, maybe a starter, but they definitely need a pitcher if they want to be really good and want to be able to. Uh, if they want to be able to contend for championships, they they need to sign a good pitcher. Yeah, if we can just look, um, uh, just, I'm just gonna go over some of the some of the uh, phrases for twenty tw- from 2020 to 2021. Uh, I'm just gonna go through some names here. You have J. Chiramuto, uh, 
uh, you had guys like Matt Carpenter, um, they have, uh, guys like Starling Castro, Cesar Hernandez, Justin Turner, Jake Lamb, Anderson, Andrewton Simmons, Jonathan VR, um, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, uh, George Springer, David Peralta, Michael Brantley, guys like Jackie Bradley Jr., um, and then you have also have guys like Jacob DeGrom is going to be a free agent then, Trevor Bauer, Robbie Ray, James Paxton, Tanaka, Jake Arrieta, uh, Marcus Stroman, Kyle Hendricks, and Jose Quintana. So that is a – I mean, just, just looking at that, that you could – that is a very – you know, that's a, that's a lot of players there. Padres can just land one of them, one of those pitchers. Say a guy like Trevor Bauer or Robbie Ray, they can really go a long way, and I think they could be one of the best teams um, definitely, they're gonna be a they can they're gonna, they're gonna be a powerhouse, especially with Machado and some of the guys in the, in the farm system. They they can they ha, they have the potential to be a powerhouse. Now it's just up to the coaching staff and to the organization to make sure that it actually happens. Yeah, and then um, yeah, the coaches definitely need to. Um, they've had problems in the past. I'm pretty sure with uh, players that are supposed to turn out great and then don't don't live up to expectations. So uh, they definitely need to step up with these guys and make sure that they are, uh, they're ready and they're all-stars like they're, they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again, in 2021 and 2022, you have guys, you have guys like uh, Lindor, Correa, Seager, and Story uh, all in one free agent class. Now, again, that could change like people can get extensions, um, but you have, you're, there's so many guys that, that are going to be you know really good. Um, Archie Riley, the free agent in 2022, so, you know there, there's a lot of guys that, heart, that the uh, that the Padres could add, and uh, I think there's even some reports that said they're not ruling out Harper uh, entirely. I don't know if that's I don't know if that got fizzled down yet, but um, yeah, I, I think I mean just, I'm just yeah, I mean and then 2020, uh, I mean you have guys like uh, like like there's so many like you know there's top top guys that are going to be free agents in you know 20. 2023, 2024. So the Padres just add, you know, one of those guys um, that they can be really be good. Now, the one team that I can, I compare them to as we're uh, running uh, in the final few minutes of the segment is um, then is the nineties Braves um, because the Braves, you know, it's a lot of time like seventies and eighties, they weren't a good team um, at all. And then they kind of just built, built from the inside and they also had, you know, got a couple guys, you know, through free agent signings and, and trades and all that. Um, and then they were a powerhouse for for so long. Um, do, do you see that comparison? Um, yeah, I see it, and uh, it really depends. They they haven't been good. They haven't made the playoffs since 2006. I'm pretty sure. So if they're they're them being a powerhouse, all depends on how their management deals with their prospects and deals with bringing on a player that can do stuff. And this year they're going to be average, not really amazing because all their prospects are really young still and not really as MLB ready as they should, as they need to be for a playoff run. But in a few years, they're going to be doing better as other teams that are good now are going to be dropping off and not doing as great. So the Padres are definitely rooting for guys like the teams, like the Dodgers to, as they, as all their players are getting older and they've been making playoff runs since 2011, 2012, so all their players are getting older, like Kershaw and Turner. So they're definitely going to be uh, – Padres are definitely rooting for them to start going down soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff to look forward for to for the Padres and for Padres fans. Seems they'll finally be getting a good team. 
All right, that's going to wrap up this segment. We're going to have the Rockies, and then after that, we'll have just general MLB predictions. This week, on the newest episode of FanCast, a Phillies podcast, we will be discussing the different signings and potential rumors surrounding Bryce Harper and the Phillies. Yes, Manny Machado will not be donning the red pinstripes as he has signed a 10-year $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. We will discuss where the Phillies go from here and if John Middleton, Matt Klentak, and the rest of the front office will be amped up in order to secure Bryce Harper. After Bryce Harper and other mega free agent talks, will the Phillies pursue Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell, the two other main free agents left on the board. All this and more on the newest episode of FanCast. Make sure to tune in as Bryce Harper will be signing soon. All right, back here for our final team in the NL West, and that's going to be the Colorado Rockies. So the the Rockies offseason was mostly uneventful. There were were a few moves here and there, but – I think the Rockies, they're just trying to reloading and get everyone better. And they're, I think they're silently going to be, be one of the best teams in, in the national league um, uh, coming up here, at least for the next uh, few years. So uh, the main, the main, uh, the main move they made uh, this off season was they signed free agent uh, Daniel Murphy, I think to a, uh, was it a two year deal? I think, I believe it's a two year deal. Um, and that's that's a pretty smart signing. They said uh, Ro- uh, Rocky said they're going to plan to play at first base, and I think at course field he's only going to be that much better. Uh, and, and they did lose DJ Lemayhew, but then again you're swapping out Murphy for Lemayhew, and and you have uh, you have Garrett Hampson, who's you know one of the top you know second base prospects. I think he could be a very solid um, uh, second baseman with his you know with his defense, his speed, and and if, it's, if he can develop a good bat. Um, he could be a really, a, you know, another, you know, an everyday, a good everyday second baseman for them. Um, the only other major losses they had was Matt Holliday and uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Not sure what's going to end up with him. Maybe he will resign with the Rockies. Um, yeah. Um, Chris, how do you think Daniel Murphy is going to impact the Rockies just as a whole? Um, I think Daniel Murphy, I'd, I'd rather have DJ LeMahieu, to be honest, if I was the Rockies, but I, I, pretty sure they got Murphy for cheaper than the Yankees got LeMahieu. Uh So I think, I mean, money is always an issue with teams. And if a, you have to choose between two players that are relatively even, then I think you're going to go with the cheaper one. And Daniel Murphy, his stats will definitely, I think they'll go up a little more. Not They won't really be affected much, but playing in cores for a very long time is going to, it's definitely going to, I mean, for half the season, it's definitely going to make your hit a little bit better. It won't affect you much, but it'll make you be a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, you can't attribute all of a guy's success to Coors Field, but I think for a guy like Murphy, especially him playing at first base, he's always been known to be a defensive liability out there at second, or, or you know, he's played for second a lot for the Mets. But, uh, you know, if, if he can – if he's playing at first base, you won't have to, you know, think about his defense as much. Obviously, it's still going to be important, but it's not going to be as crucial of a need. Um, he's going to focus more on hitting, and I think 
he's really going to be a pesky hitter um, for the Diamondbacks to face. Um, I think more so than LeMahieu. Um, I think he, I, I, just looking at, um, at the, at the Rockies uh, roster, I think it's a smart move. Um, I do believe they signed the LeMahieu and uh, Murphy signed for kind of the same deal, but I would, I think I would still rather have Murphy if you're just doing a short-term deal like that. And hey, and yeah. Um, another, there wasn't actually a lot to talk from the Rockies this offseason, but uh, one of the other main stories uh, was Nolan Arenado. He got a, I think, a record-setting pre-arbitration deal, which I think was one year, twenty-six million dollars, and so he's not even a free agent yet. And he's, I mean, you can only imagine what he's going to make when he comes becomes a free agent next year. Um, uh, I was reading an article um, recently from the Denver Post, and it was asking about. I was talking about Nolan Arenado and his chances of re-signing uh, with the Rockies come 2019. And here's what he said. He said, I live in Denver, but your mind can't help but wonder what, wondering what's, what's out there, right? I can't help that as a human and a person in, in this position. I'm like, hey, I don't know what's out there. Part of me wants to find out, but part of me wants to be one of the best Rockies players of all time. So those are things I think about. So, yeah, that's that's a big topic that I've, I've talked to people, you know, people at my school who – our Rockies fans, or whatever, is that is that they're wondering is Arenado going to stay or is he going to is he you know you know is he going to leave? Um, and then again, you know, Arenado can definitely has the potential to be one of the best Rockies of all time. And you could say that he's going to be the best if he stays. I mean, obviously, there's guys like Todd Helton and Larry Walker who are who I definitely think you could argue for more, uh, more so than Arenado, but. Um, yeah, then that's then again. I think Arenado he has earned the. I think he's earned the right to you know explore free agency and just see what's out there. Uh, and if, if the Rockies don't want to offer him a, a max contract for, for a, a, a lot of money, then I mean I think he's in the right to go anywhere else he wants. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of the best third basemen in the league, if not the best. So he can he could probably get a big offer no matter where he went. As long as that team had the money, since most teams need that third baseman, that big bat with good defense. So uh, I definitely think that he's he's probably going to explore free agency when he gets there, because uh, I'm pretty sure the um, Rockies gave Ian Desmond like 24 million or something, and they didn't want to give Nolan Arenado, their best player, six million more than that in arbitration. Yeah. Um. I think LeMahieu's role is going to be decreased. He might be playing some outfield uh, or, you know, shortstop if does, if uh, Sori goes down to injury. But, yeah, um, he's, he's definitely a big offer no, no matter, uh, you know, no, uh, if, if the Rockies don't give him an extension. Um, and they also have a huge extension locked up with Charlie Blackman. And then they have guys like Trevor Story and all the pitchers that are going to be going to free agency. So, but financially, I could see – um, the Rockies letting Arenado walk. Obviously, I would, if I was the Rockies GM, I would try to keep him no matter what. But um, then again, if there's a team, you know, like the Yankees, I, who has been rumored to maybe go after him in, in 2020, I mean, can you imagine a lineup with Judge, Stanton, Arenado, um, and, you know, whoever else they have, and, and Sanchez, and, and that team would be just unfair. But, yeah, um, I, I, I would, yeah, I would still definitely try to um, – Keep Arenado, but I could understand if, if they're not going to. And with all the with all with the free agent classes coming up, I could, yeah, I could see it. But then again, I would still just like to keep him. Um, yeah, there wasn't really a lot of other changes for the the uh, the Rockies. I mean, 
yeah, there were, I mean, there was probably there were some minor moves here and there, but they pretty much stayed with the same team, and they like their chances. Obviously, they were only one win away from from an from an NL uh, from an NL West uh, title last year in the, in the game 163 against the Dodgers, and they you know, they won the wild card game um, against the Cubs, who you know Cubs were are, are probably might might be you know the the, uh, the most popular team in the National League. Um, and you know they did get swept by the Brewers, but I think the Rockies they have they have they have the talent on their roster to you know compete. I think at least for, you know for NLCS berth, maybe even a World Series. Um, we'll just have to see how it goes. Now, obviously, the biggest question with the Rockies, and this has kind of been the past few, couple of years, is how is the bullpen going to hold up? Um, on paper, the bullpen is pretty good. You have guys, um, Wade Davis. I think he, he yeah he got a huge deal. Um, you have guys like Scott Oberg, um, Sung Wan Oh. Um, and, and guys like that, there, there's a, there's a lot a lot of decent guys out of the bullpen, but the, I think they, they it's they've just been struggling. I don't know if it's it's because it's Coors Field and and they're just it, it's it's a hitter's park or what it is, but yeah, um, I think I think that's that's, that's the, one, the one thing that can hold the Rockies back is definitely their bullpen. Yeah, um, we're gonna move into awards here for the Rockies. Uh, Chris, if you just want to start us off with your picks. So for MVP, I have Nolan Arenado, Cy Young, I have Freeland, uh, Silver Slugger, I have Arenado, Rookie of the Year, I have Garrett Hampson, uh, Reliever of the Year, I have Wade Davis, and uh, for Comeback Player of the Year, I don't really know if he's going to get much playing time. I saw he was going to move back to, they were moving him to center, so I, that probably means he won't, but i I really don't know what they're doing with him, but I think if Desmond gets the Ian Desmond gets the playing time, he could make a big comeback. Yeah, he'll probably get some playing time and maybe in left field and move David Dahl to right. We'll just have to see how it goes again. You know, injury can happen. Murphy can get injured. Hampson get injured. Who who knows what's gonna happen? Uh, my picks. I said Arenado was the MVP. Kyle Freeland as their Cy Young. He probably will be for many years to come. Silver Slugger. I said Story. I think he's gonna put it more offensive numbers. Uh, just as edging out Arenado slightly. But then again, that could shift either way. Uh, rookie, I see also said Garrett Hampson. Uh, bullpen player, uh, player of the year, I said Wade Davis. And then the comeback player of the year, I also said Wade Davis. I think he's poised for a bounce-back season um, more so than last year. Um, a couple more uh, talking points. Yeah, with with the Rockies, like, uh, they're obviously, you know, again, the, their biggest question is always pitching. Uh, but I think the rotation now, it's so young. I mean, if I can just list off, I don't know if it shows their age on here, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the starting pitchers are in their twenty or in their you know mid twenties, and they're and they're so young, and they can they they can develop. You have guys, Kyle Freeland, Herman Marquez are two really good rotation pieces, and they can anchor rotation for years. You have guys like John Gray, uh, Antonio Sensatella, and Tyler Anderson, who are all pretty young, and they and, you know who knows what's gonna happen with them. Um, and then you have pitchers that are coming up, um, you know, um, pitchers that are coming up in, in the future. So I, I, I think starting pitching is not a huge area of concern for the Rockies. I think there's a little bit of – right now there's a little bit of gray area with depth, but um, I think, yeah, their bullpen is probably their biggest concern. Yeah, they definitely have a, they definitely have some decent pitching. They have um, not a lot of great pitching, but, I mean – their offense can is so good. They they should be able to put up lots of numbers and be able to do a lot out there at the plate. 
So hopefully their pitching is able to hold their own for them so that they can uh, compete again next year for the division. And they are uh, their bullpen is able to uh, hold them up and their offense puts up numbers that they should be putting up. Yeah. I mean, just the lineup of Charlie Blackman, who is, you know, I think is the kind of defining the new era of leadoff hitters. He's not just your speedy get on, uh, speedy uh, guy who can get a bunt down the line anymore. It used to be um, Garrett Hampson, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Daniel Murphy, David Dahl, who I think is really realizing his potential. Uh, catcher is still a little, a little thin there. They still have Chris Dianetta, um and Tony Walters is kind of their main one-two punch. Um, but then again, you know, there's always ways to address that. Um, then there's Ian Desmond, and I think Ian Desmond and Ryan McMahon are going to share some playing time. You know, and then again, obviously injuries will impact that. But I think the Rockies, um, we'll we'll get into this in a minute. But I think the Rockies can really go if they if they if they can avoid injury and they can and a lot of their bullpen can perform, they can be one of the better teams in baseball. And um, especially, you know. With course, with with course fields, obviously, I, I don't think I can't, you can't attribute again. I, I I'm a, I, I I don't support the course field effect as much. A lot of other people do. Um, I don't think you can attribute a, a player's success solely to course field, but I definitely think it helps out with them. Um, but then again, you also have to consider that it helps out the other team just as much. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, I, I think that the Rockies and other too, teams play a lot less games there, though. Yeah, well, I mean. Well, when they when they're at home, their opponents always they're them and their opponent are always at the same ballpark. So then again, um, yeah, yeah, but who knows uh, what's gonna happen with them? Um, but yeah, I, I mean there there are a couple holes you know in the Rockies roster that probably could be addressed. Um, and here's the thing, like well, I don't think you can do it now, but like this is just with oh, I think as we have a couple minutes here, some general uh, discussion. There's guys out in the market like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel, and I'm not saying that teams like the D-backs should be signing them, but I mean, if a team has the money and and they they need to have a hole in the roster, I mean, why not go for some of these guys like Keuchel and Kimbrell on a on like a like a short-term deal if if you know if, if they're if they're up for it, you know. But anyway, we'll we'll discuss that more. Oh, go ahead. Players want short-term deals. I think that's why they're yeah. not signing them to short-term. That is- yeah, that is true. I mean, I, I wouldn't give a closer, you know, seven years, hundred million, like like guys like Craig Kimber want. But um, we're going to yeah. that into that in the next segment. Uh, we're going to head out of here and move into just MOE predictions in general. Tune into Pinstripe Talk this Wednesday at five. We will be discussing everything going on in the land of the New York Yankees. We talk about free agency and Manny Machado recently signing with the Padres, what that means for the Yankees, and Bryce Harper, and him continually being a free agent, and if the Yankees might just sneak in and nab the superstar. We talk about the Yankees and their offseason. Have they done enough to take the throne away from the Boston Red Sox atop the American League East? All this and much, much more this Wednesday at 5 o'clock, Pinstripe Talk. Me and my co-host break down the Yankees. Tune in this Wednesday at 5. Do not miss it. All right, moving in here to our final topic is just the general MLB predictions and think just things to look for um, in, 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 uh, in 2019. And I guess we'll actually start it off here 
with our NLS standings prediction. So, if Chris, if you just want to start it off and just give us your reasons why, uh, as to why you put certain teams where. Um, I have the Rockies winning the division because they have uh, such a high-powered offense with so many really good hitters, and they have they have so much that they can do with their hitters. And uh, they just I just really like them as a team. I think they're going to win the division by a lot. I have them winning it, and then I have the Dodgers winning. I'm not winning at second place in the division as I think they'll be injured and most of their players are older and they're not as good as they were a few years ago, maybe. I have the D-backs at third, and uh, I think that they will be uh, – they lost their three best players, three of their four best players, but they definitely underperformed last year at, towards the end, and uh, I think they they will re- they'll regress, but not as much as I – would, as most people would think, if you lost your best players. The Padres at fourth with uh, the new accusation of uh, Manny Machado, which is going to make a big deal on that team. And I have the uh, Giants at fifth because they really don't have anything that's going to make it so that they're doing much in the division at all. Yeah. I also have the Rockies winning the division, and that's because I think they have um, – just looking at just looking at the roster and just comparing it to how – their team was in, in 20, um, 2018, which is pretty much the exact same. Um, I think they have. I mean, they, I, I think they're going to run away with the division because they're only getting it better. I don't think they're really getting it worse at all. And the thing with the Dodgers is they're just too many, just too many injury problems that I just can't, you know, I, I can't, you know, say the Dodgers are going to have another, you know, hundred win season like they did before. I mean, if you remember, Kershaw hasn't been pitching as much. He's still a really good pitcher, but he's only been pitching around 150 innings each year. Due to injury, you know Jansen. Uh, hopefully, his all his heart problems are solved. But then again, there's that. Um, Corey Seager, who knows how he's going to play off Tommy John? Who knows if his elbow is going to get reaggravated? AJ Pollock. I mean, who God knows how how long, how many games he will play every year? I mean, he could. He, I mean, there, there's a chance that he's going to be you know one of the best two way players, two best center fielders in baseball. But then there's another chance he's going to get injured in early April and he's going to be out for you know a, a three months. So. I mean, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions for the Dodgers. If they can avoid injury, I think they win. They can win the the, the NL West. But I just I, I don't see them avoiding injury. At, at, like uh, with um, to I don't see them avoiding injury that much. And I think that the Rockies can run away with it. And then again, yeah, I have Padres uh, at third and the D-backs in fourth. But I could see the, them two switching. Um, and then Giants obviously in last because they don't have uh, a lot of, to to offer. Uh, we're going to move on here into our playoff predictions. So, uh, Chris, if you want to give us your wild card picks. In the wild card, I have the uh, Braves and the Brewers playing, and the Brewers taking that game. And in the AL, too. And the AL, I have the Yankees and Rays. And I, I went a little bold with this, but I think that – if the Rays can play like they did at, towards the end of the season, then I definitely think that they have a decent chance at being in the ALDS. And oh, can I also guess your uh, first two out? First two out for both uh, for both leagues. Oh, for the um, NL, I don't think that the Cardinals are going to make it. And then the NL is so strong; it's really tough to decide. But I have the Dodgers maybe being one game out, or maybe they could even be in there, but they're just really hard with so many teams in the NL that can be in playoffs, 
And for the AL, I have Oakland and the Angels. And uh, another reason that I left out the Dodgers is that I'm a Diamondbacks fan, so I can't really uh, say anything really good about them. Yeah. Uh, for my wildcard picks in the in in the NL, I have the Dodgers versus the Cardinals. I'm not sure who the team would have home field advantage there again. Um, and in the AL wildcard, I had Boston, and then I had the Rays sneaking in there. Um, I still think Boston will win that game, um, just because I I don't think the Rays have. And I think the game's going to be in Boston. And Boston is going to just overwhelm them. Um, maybe in like a five game series, it could be different. But yeah, I th- I still think the the uh, Boston will win. I also have the Dodgers winning the NL wild card um, over the Cardinals. And then first two out for the NL, I said Milwaukee and Philadelphia. But again, then again, Harper is probably going to sign with Philadelphia, so you could bump them up into the wild card, or you could have them winning the division. It's honestly, we'll get, we'll talk about this in a second, but it's it's, it's a mess. And then first two out, I also had Oakland and the Angels because there's not really a lot of other AL teams that can compete. Uh, besides, I mean, like like the uh, the Twins, maybe the the uh ooh, this is this is tough. Any AOS teams that are any good? I mean the Mariners aren't gonna aren't gonna be that good. The Rangers no. and yeah, no, honestly, there's only about you know five uh or sorry, there's only about seven uh six or seven AL teams that are gonna be uh, playoff competitive. Mm-hmm. Um and then Chris, if you just wanna get your um just your division winners and your like and your division series picks. So for the NLDS I have uh the Rockies facing off against the Braves, the Cubs against and the Cubs against the Phillies, and then it's in the and then I have the Rockies and the Cubs winning and moving on to the NLCS, and in the AL I have Houston versus Tampa and Boston versus Cleveland, and I have uh, the Astros and uh, Red Sox moving on to the ALCS. Yeah, um, I had um from. I had the Dodgers actually beating the Cubs in the NLDS, um, and then I also had the Rockies um, moving on against the Braves. I still think the Braves, just based on performance from last from last year against the Dodgers, I don't really see them as like a he is a as a huge playoff team. Um, the, the team is going to perform well in the playoffs, but then again, that could change. I mean, who knows? I mean, again, again, the Braves were looking like one of the worst teams in baseball a few years ago, and now they're a division powerhouse. And then in the ALDS, uh, I also had another rematch from from the Yankees in Boston. I think the Yankees will be the number one seed, and I think the Yankees will move on in that. And then Houston-Cleveland, kind of like last year, um, and then uh, Houston winning again. I don't think Cleveland really has the – just. The, I, don't, yeah, I don't think they have, just have the uh, the talent and, and just the, the, the drive to actually make it to the ALCS. And then, uh, and then Chris, uh, can you can give us your uh, World Series uh, prediction who's going to be the MVP. Um, so – in the NLCS, I have Colorado and Chicago, and I have the uh, Cubs moving on. They had a quite, kind of a disappointing season last year. They they didn't really do much hitting wise, and their pitching their pitching did good, except they really couldn't hit in any big games. They should have won game one sixty three, and they definitely should have won the wild card. But uh, I have Bryant being the MVP moving on into the World Series. And in the ALCS, I have the Houston versus Boston, and I think that I I think Houston's the better team, and I think uh, if I think that just Houston would move on, and uh, Altuve would be the MVP in that one. Mm-hmm. I have um, I have the Rockies actually beating the Dodgers in the NLCS. That's a bold move, obviously. Um, you could easily go with the Dodgers or the Cubs moving on the World Series, but 
again, I think the Rockies have they have the power kind of they have that they have that firepower kind of like back in 2007. Um, I think they have the yeah they they have the ability to go on the World Series, and I have them matching up against the Yankees, and uh, I I kind of just stop it there because. I think the Yankees. This, this is the year that the Yankees are going to actually. They're going to revive and they're going to get the 28th ring. I mean, just look, based on the offense and the pitching and everything and that bullpen. I mean, there you can't that, that team. There's no holes in the roster basically. Um, I mean, maybe there's a little hole in like left field, but they, they can fix that easily. Um, yeah, and I have the Yankees winning it in six. Um, a World Series MVP. I have Giancarlo Stanton. I think he's going to have a monster. Uh, uh, he's going to have a monster few games in uh, in Colorado at Coors Field, and then. Playoff MVP in the National League, I had Daniel Murphy. I think he's, he's going to be pretty well in the, in the playoffs. And then uh, playoff MVP for the Yankees is going to be Luis Severino. I think you can see him having a really good postseason and being, you know, really emerging as that as that uh, postseason ace that, like, uh, that, you know, that the Yankees have wanted from him. And um, in the World Series, for my predictions, I have the Astros-Cubs, and I have the Astros winning that in six games. And uh, – getting their second ring in the past few years. And uh, Correa, I have him being the World Series MVP. I think he'll do really well, and he'll have a uh, comeback season a little bit, and he'll do as, he'll do pretty well in the postseason and when he really needs to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the, and the thing is with, I mean, the, the in the AL, the, besides, you know, maybe the second wild card or who's going to win the AL East, the playoff picture is pretty much set. I mean, you're either going to probably have, you know, New York or Boston as the one seed, and then you have Houston and Cleveland as a three seed. And you know, wild card team could second wild card team could be you know you know Oakland or the or the 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 Rays or even the Angels could sneak in there. But the thing with the NL is every spot is up for contention. I mean, if we uh, we're touching on this before before the show, if if the Giants sign Harper, which I don't think they will, but if they do. 14 out of the 15 teams are competitive and have a chance to make the playoffs. In the NOS, Diamondbacks, they led the division for 125 games last year. They can still be a competitive team, and then again, expectations going into 2017. I remember those, and then they made, they made the playoffs then. You have the Rockies, already covered yeah, that. Covered that. Dodgers, the Padres, you know, who knows, maybe they have a breakout year. And then in the NL Central, Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, obviously those three are going to be, you know, vying for that division all, all, um, the whole year. And the Pirates and Reds look like competitive teams that aren't that aren't, are going to be you know they're going to win a lot of ball games you know I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not I don't know I, I mean I doubt it, any of them will but you know they're going to be competitive and then in the AL East um, yeah you have Nationals who I mean obviously somehow have even it seems like they've gotten better even with probably losing Harper um, um, you have the you have the Braves who won the division last year they're going to be pretty good for a, a lot of years here Phillies if they are Harper automatic contenders there. Um, and you have the Mets who, you know, I mean, based off, I mean, that's another team that can make the playoffs too. I just don't have the Mets making the playoffs because of the injury concerns. But, um, yeah, I have, I mean, the Mets, they, I got Edwin Diaz, Robinson Cano, a lot of guys in the offseason. They could be a pretty good team too. The only team in the NL that, that's really not going to be good at all is, the, you know, is the Giants and the Marlins. But, you know, that, that, that's that. But, you know, the NL is honestly – you could see you can make an argument for a lot like two teams winning two or three teams winning division in, in each division and it's and there's really no like there's not really a set favorite I would say. Yeah, definitely. There's so many competitive teams in the NL, and it's been like that for a while. So, uh, mm-hmm. but do you want to move into our predictions for the whole league? 
Uh, oh, yeah, predictions. Yeah, real quick because uh, yeah, we're about to end here. But, yeah, we're going to go over this real quick. Um, For the NL MVP, I have Paul Goldschmidt. The AL MVP, I have J.D. Martinez. The NL Cy Young, I have Robbie Ray. AL Cy Young, I have Trevor Bauer. The NL Rookie of the Year, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. AL Rookie of the Year, I have Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, For the NL Hank Aaron Award, I have Paul Goldschmidt. The AL Hank Aaron Award, I have Mike Trout. The NL Reliever of the Year, I have Edwin Diaz. The AL Reliever of the Year, I have Blake Trainin. The For the NL Comeback Player of the Year, I have Eric Hosmer. And the AL Comeback Player of the Year, I have Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, and then real quick, my picks, I have Arenado winning MVP, and Arenado and Bregman, two-third baseman. Uh, I had Jake DeGr- Jacob DeGrom winning Cy Young, AL Tang as Trevor Bauer. NL rookie, I always said Nick Senzel, just because I don't know how much playing time Tatis is going to get. Uh, AL rookie, obviously, Vlad, Vlad Jr. Uh, Hank Aaron, I, I went with Goldie and Trout. Uh, Deliver Man, I went with Felipe Vasquez and Blake Trinan. Uh, comeback player, I said Corey Seager. And then uh, for the AL, I said Gary Sanchez. So, a lot of good things to look forward to in the in the MLB in 2019. I'm just so excited for it to start. Uh, have a good night, everyone. We will see you later. Rattle Up is produced by Benson Fetcher. Rattle Up is a Baseball Podcast Network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Chris Sumner at Chris underscore Sumner 710 and Blake Warner at Everything D-backs. Be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all our social media platforms as well. Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D- CAS1, SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network, and YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time.